gonna say shit. I can't. I'm gonna say shit, and you're gonna miss it. Shit on television, making shit officially okay to say if they don't really give a shit. Uh, like can we say it in the expletive? Like, oh shit, or shit on a shingle? Yes, that's now fine. Wow, this is gonna be great. A whole new way. It's not new. I'm gonna look shit up in the encyclopedia and just watch your language. Shit. You are so fine and shit. The shit you do, the shit you say, I'm producing any day. I'm a proud shitholer. We came from Italians and Irish who were regarded as people from shithole countries. Personally, as someone from South Shithole, I'm offended, Mr. President. In an Oval Office meeting, Trump attacked protections for immigrants from African countries, which he called S-holes. Uh, that's what NBC asked us to say, by the way, S-hole, even though the president can say shithole. The idea that all countries in Africa are shitholes is just woefully ignorant. The ratings are in, sir. We broke another record last night with the show that said shit seven times. Where is the roof on this thing? I mean, I mean, how can we top ourselves now? Gentlemen, I have it. The end-all greatest marketing ploy of all time. Tonight on HBC, we will air all our sitcoms live and have everyone say shit in place of their written lines. And we'll call it must shit TV. Bravo! Night of a million shits. You know what? You dumb as shit. Oh yeah? Well, I don't really give a shit. You know that word's getting kind of old. It's not really funny anymore. Yeah, they're gonna have to come up with a new swear word soon. What the hell is that? What would you say? You do here. It's Stone's weekly dose. Very hard to say my name correctly. Like Brian. Yeah. <laughs> What's your deal, man? Your midweek download destination. I like his style. It's a sort of casual elegance. I'm slaying lame and I'm exposing frauds. This is pathetic. This is embarrassing. Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Note to self, don't change for anyone. Note to self, don't die. Welcome in, everybody. This is the allegedly for-profit supposed income generating venture that is known as the stone on air podcast so wednesday that means it's your download destination for the week it's the 17th of january and nothing has gone well for me today i'm a little salty pardon the pun with the snow and the ice in the forecast And is that even really a pun? Salt on the ground, ice, snow. Sometimes puns are like the word ironic. It's used so often in the incorrect settings, I forget what the hell it even means. Ah, Jesus Christ. Uh, My name is Brian Stone. Thank you for finding the show. Um... Yeah, audio dubbing in, pre-production, post-production for everything for this show is taking hours and hours. And it's because of faulty equipment. Um, I don't know if the weather has something to do with it. My internet is all jacked up. It's stuttering and making all kinds, you know, coming in and out of of, of waves of working. The, uh, the, the, the software I have, which is state-of-the-art broadcast professional software, that um, that the again in industry industry wide, it's stuttering and making uh, making some stupid stuff happen. So I I don't know. This thing might come out sounding all right. It might come out sounding terrible. 
Uh, I don't know. Either way, uh, I've kind of scratched a few plans. I'll bounce around and see uh, where all this goes. But yeah, not exactly uh, happy with something that's supposed to take me two hours tops. Looks like it's going to end up taking me in the neighborhood of uh, maybe five hours to do. And uh, while I kind of joke at the front, the allegedly for-profit, the supposed income-generating venture that is this podcast... Yeah, that's not really a joke. It's actually uh, it's it's true in the sense that it's that it's not a thing. It's not a for profit venture. I sure hope that it will be one way to probably possibly I won't say probably possibly make it a for profit venture. I'll get to here in just a couple of minutes. I'm going to go back into the I'm going to go back to the well for the stone's throw segment, and I'm going to go back to the bread and milk fallacy and the over-exaggerated um, um, what we what we perceive as overreaction to poor weather, winter weather around here. I don't believe any of it's true. Maybe a little bit, but very, very little. It's all fabricated, made up, fake to be funny, to try to tell awful jokes. We are a, 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 a we're a nation of Alzheimer patients, but we're uh, we're certainly a southeastern region of Alzheimer patients. And I'll go down that uh, road in Stone's Throw. Y'all got to stop this. People have to get more creative. Come on, man. Whatever happened to occasionally want to, to, to be a little unique and be a little different and stop saying things that are so just blatantly, absurdly false and then turn it into some kind of joke. Oh, it's it's abs- it's it's just like when I mentioned um, at times Christmas. Well, no, that's not Christmas as much. It's Halloween, New Year's Eve, and the winter in the South are the way to find all the dullards. That's how you you, you separate the the creative types from the also rans. And uh, we'll get into more of that in Stone's Throw. Many of you who are longtime listeners, which I value you beyond belief. You've already heard this before. Hopefully, maybe I'll have a touch of a different spin that'll give you something you've never heard before. But if you haven't been around for these years, then you might not know what I'm talking about. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, the, uh, on the front end of here, this is going to be a shorter show today, I, I believe. Again, I'm just I'm just so irritated with the way things are going today. Um, these uh, these shithole comments from Trump, which were not caught on tape, but obviously was the the talk of the internet and cable and 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 social media worlds here recently. I'm going to talk about that and along with what is and isn't acceptable anymore. Like, I, I don't I don't know, and I don't think that the, what he said is probably even that bad. Sounds awful in the context it was used. It's pretty, you know, it's like, what the hell, dude? But um, what is and isn't acceptable anymore? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I don't care about anything, hardly. But generally, as an overall moral landscape which is probably an oxymoron, we used to, and I don't know that we do anymore. In the final segment of the show, I'm going to go down the world uh, this road, and I'll, I'll probably spend the majority of the show on it, uh, to, to be uh, totally honest with you here, as I kind of map this out in my head as I go here. These girls and guys, or kids, all the way around, boys and girls, ranging from the ages of 3 and 29, that were found in this house in this you know rural area of California, about 70 miles outside of Los Angeles, in a pretty nice-looking area of, of, the, of the city and the state. I'm going to tell you how I understand that it's possible that 13 human beings can be kept imprisoned in this neighborhood and everybody around them not know or at least just pay no attention to the man behind the curtain over there. It's not surprising to me at all 
well, it's surprising to me that these things happen because it's just horrifically odd and just a absolutely bizarre story. But for everybody around to not realize or to make sure they don't know what's happening over there, I think is very common in the United States of America and our in the culture that we live in in the last really my adult life. I often say, or somebody says, no, 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 you're missing the point. No, 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 no. You're not missing the point. You're ignoring the point. And you might not be missing the the situation that's going on around you. It's because you're ignoring it. You're you're missing it because you're making sure you ignore it. And I'll get into that in the final segment of the show. So let's see. I'll save all snow talk until stones throw. And I will just come out right here on the front end on the one thing I do have to mention here real quick, which is awesome news and makes me very happy amongst an evening that's been nothing but frustration is I'm going to Washington, D.C. and the Baltimore area in April for about four days. It's going to be a quick turnaround trip. Me and my brother are going to go. I had some vacation time that I was basically being forced to use. So it was like, go find something to do. And uh, that's what I chose to do on my birthday week. It's Masters weekend and then the beginning of the following week after that. And I'm going to go see the Braves and the Nationals and the uh, Orioles and the Blue Jays at their respective stadiums, Baltimore and D.C. and the Nats, and go to two brand-new stadiums. The reason for doing this is more than just going to see a couple of ball games. It's also to go to D.C. in the springtime, which, as long as the weather works out, should be awfully nice. Probably do a little touristy things. I'm going to have to cram a lot of time uh, or a lot of things into a very short period of time. But one of the driving factors was, is I want to go see the Tony Kornheiser show, the podcast he records live at his restaurant called Chatter. Now, I won't bore with you guys too long with this, but just hear me out for a minute. Tony Kornheiser has been a longtime sports writer and television personality. He's done football games. He's a national, he's a national figure who, uh, along with Mike Wilbon, do PTI, Pardon the Interruption, every day on ESPN. Now, this show revolutionized the way that sports is discussed and covered in the 21st century, and it's the longest-running show of its kind, and there's just copycats and boring wannabes everywhere, just dotting the landscape of sports, television, and internet and coverage. But when I was young and first started listening to sports talk radio and spoken word news talk format radio a lot in the late 90s and early 2000s, I stumbled on several different talking heads and he was one of them on ESPN radio and I loved it immediately I thought it was great great radio in 2003 he was kind of pushed out and they brought in Colin Cowherd I was mad my guy's getting replaced by somebody else turns out 15 years later they're both two of my favorites so go all the way around to say why do I want to go do this well Tony Kornheiser got out of the broadcasting world other than his PTI show so now he went into the restaurant business, and this is such a cool idea. Now, is it highly profitable? I'm not sure, but it's such a cool idea. I want to—I almost want to copy it. There's just no way I could have any money to do around here locally, at least presently. What he did is he went into the purchase of a restaurant that's now called Chatter, pretty well-known place in the suburbs of, of D.C. and Maryland. And him and Maury Povich, the uh, the talk show host, the daytime talk show, oh, Maury, who's, who's my dad, that kind of guy, um, you know, the paternity test kind of show. Uh, Gary Williams, a longtime basketball coach and well-known for his uh, Maryland Terrapins ties of being their basketball coach, national championship winner. And then Kornheiser and then a couple other local investors bought this restaurant. And every day, every morning for two hours, he records his podcast in the studios that they have built inside of that restaurant. 
Again, I'm sorry if this story's boring you. I'm getting to the point very quickly here. So I decide, hey, I want to go watch this show be recorded and get breakfast at Chatter before we go to the game. It works out perfect. Well, I reach out to the producers of the show and said, hey, I do a podcast. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be flying back home on Wednesday. My show comes out every Wednesday. How awesome would it be to record it at your studios, at Tony Kornheiser Studios? And I got a response back really quickly saying, yeah, yeah, they kind of skimmed it and said, hey, yeah, well, I think that might work. We can be able to hook you up. Here's the prices for what we charge to do these and what we charge for our services. And we usually do a three-month commitment, and it goes on and on. I'm like, what the hell? Clearly, this did they didn't read my email or this is a bot. So I, I re-emailed back and said, hey, hopefully this is a human. Clearly, you didn't read my email. I'm going to be there for one day. We'd like to use this for one or two hours tops. And I'll pay, you know, I'll get, I'll try to get it sponsored. Maybe that's where I can get jumping off point to try to make some money. I'll pay to use the studios, but it's for one day only. And, um, you know, you might not be interested in that. So whatever. I get a message back shortly after this is all within the last week saying, yes, I am sorry. I am a human and my apologies for not reading your email more thoroughly. Tell me which date you're looking for. I'll try to make it work. I get back. I give her the date. She comes back to me and says, you know what? It looks like we're wide open that day and we'll be in more formal contact soon enough, but that should work out. And it made my damn week, made my year so far. Because while Tony Kornheiser might not be this massively well-known name amongst just random people walking around, he is one of my heroes of the of the of, of the sports media of the written format and the talk radio format. And hopefully I'll get some sponsors, get this paid for, and do the show live from Washington, DC, the potential first tour stop of 2018. More on that coming up soon enough. So let's just jump right into this uh, topic of shithole countries and Coming from the world of the broadcast FCC regulated media, um, it's I struggled with it for a while on how to handle it for this show. Like how to handle, uh, I don't have a lot of guests, I have some, but usually it's just me. But how am I going to approach having a conversation or, or, or just a narrative here? Do I want to cuss? Do I not want to cuss? Um, I'm so used to it being so taboo and wrong for 15 years of my adult working life it was you do everything it takes to make sure you don't to where it becomes such second nature that it's it's almost hard to to uh, say an expletive when you're broadcasting because you've been so trained not to. Many people often are uh, wonder like, man, you I mean you cuss when you're in regular life. You don't filter yourself normally. How do you filter yourself on the air? Well, it's just like anything else, right? I mean, you learn what you're doing. You understand how to do it. And you do have an emergency dump button usually in the broadcast radio if something off the wire does happen. Uh, that doesn't usually happen, or at least in my experiences, it didn't. But the more I started to do this show and more I approached it and realized it's a podcast and not a broadcast, it's a podcast-specific topic uh, or two or three topic uh, show as opposed to a radio show over the course of hours with coming and going listeners the more I realized we're all adults here, right? I mean, I don't have 13-year-old children listening to this show. I don't have, you know, teenagers most likely listening to this show who I might want to, I don't know, not influence in the wrong way or hear something out of context, like if they were listening to a radio show, if they were scanning the dial on a, you know, in the car or something. That's not happening here. That's not happening here at all. This is people 
who are generally adults who have not necessarily like minds, because often people who listen to this show and people who I talk to and have conversations and dialogue dialogue with, we have you know ideological ideological differences. But we're all adults, and saying the word shit is no big deal unless you're being a juvenile, um, you know, kind of loser about it. Which was kind of the way to on the front end of this. Still didn't record as well as I'd like, but with all the South Park stuff back in 2001, they had the night of a million shits. And it was the first, like, it was, the joke was, can you believe how, how, how obsessed America is with hearing the word shit on TV, except we were, like, as kids in our early 20s watching this show on, you know, basic regular cable, we're listening to this, they said shit on the episode 162 times, and that joke still holds up. How long is it now? Is it over? It's, it's, it's a little less than 20 years old of an episode, and it took all that time to where all of a sudden it took one comment reported on by the Washington Post about shithole countries and every news cable news network, or at least most of them that I saw, couldn't get over get out of their way to, to jump off the page and say shithole. Let's see how many times we can say shithole. And everybody started to just think it was so cool or dumb or fun or interesting. I don't know what the right word is. But so it got me and I got me thinking. What is acceptable anymore? I, I don't think cursing is any big deal. And I don't think most people walking around with kids that are in the certain ages do either. I guess it would just depend on who you ask, how you, how you was raised, those kinds of things. But saying F-bombs and S-bombs and all that stuff just in the middle of conversation when they have some kind of uh, contextual value, life is R-rated. I've constantly talked about over the years, the reason I don't I don't watch many movies is because I just don't like spending a couple hours of my time on something I'm not sure will be any good. But I will certainly not watch a movie that's not R-rated because life is R-rated. And you've got to be damn good at putting together entertainment that's PG or PG-13. I don't even know what those even mean anymore. So, yeah, I mean, so you want to cuss. I mean, think about the acronyms and that not even acronyms, but just abbreviations that, that are used in the, in the youth culture that are now, you know, millennials that are in their 30s and been doing this for, for 15 years. And I can't even imagine how the kids communicate now that are in their early teens and even late, you know, late, early single digits to 10, 11, 12 years old. I mean, WTF, my God, how old is WTF? That's been in the internet lexicon for at least 10 years, if not more. When you say WTF, you are saying, what the fuck? Is that is that not how that's viewed from a, a parental standpoint or from a educational standpoint at school? If a kid says WTF, is that is that okay? Because I think that it is. Because in what we've come to realize or understand or or be, uh, I guess, accepting of what is acceptable, you, the word was the word. But now you got shiz and you got all these, and that's even old school. Now I'm showing you know I'm showing how lame I am. There's so many different ways. Ish. That's another one. What what the ish? What's that ish all about? You know, it, it just doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. And is the president kind of an asshole? Yeah. Didn't start just the other day. You know, are are, are, are his comments often just quite regrettable from just a, a, a standpoint of what the rest of the world might think? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it got worse the other day or not. You know, I think I think poking fun at the 
insane uh, King John Udil Bill Jill guy, whichever one we got in there now, I think is far more dangerous and more and more concerning than whether the president says there's some shithole countries where people try to get out of and come to come to the United States. I just don't think it's that big a deal. And um, I don't I, I, I ask it almost legitimately, even though I'm in, not in a forum where I can actually, you know, ask a question and then and then look for answers back in a conversational dialogue. But I, I ask it. I, I don't think many people care about this anymore. I really don't think they do. And I don't necessarily think that you should. But I'm also kind of an asshole myself. In the final segment, how is it possible that 13 human beings were kept imprisoned in that house out in California? I'll tell you, it's quite easy how it happened. First, though, bread and milk fallacy and to revisit that conversation in Stone's Throw. Heads up. It's Stone's Throw. What? What? Oh, whoa. Back up the truck. What are you talking about? Is technology making us mentally ill? Look at me. I'm stupid. I can't do math. This is not making sense to the young adult anymore, and they're tired of it. Does that satisfy you? Are you satisfied now? God, if I didn't think it would bore you to death, I would just use the Stone's Throw segment to dog cuss all this garbage stuff I'm having to deal with. This computer I'm recording on today is absolute junk, and um, it's going to do the job, I think, but it's junk. Anyway, that's fine. Everything will be okay. So the weather was pretty bad on um, on Tuesday uh, leading into Wednesday morning. This show is released first thing every Wednesday morning. It is your midweek download destination. This is the weekly dose for January 17th, 2018. And I woke up this morning with a low of, I, I saw anywhere between 9 and 12. I don't really think it matters 9, 10, 11, 12, uh, none, of those, none of those are much of a difference to me. And when we got that little kind of covering of, I'd call it a maybe not quite a half inch, depends on how you measure that stuff, but a, a decent little covering of snow on Tuesday afternoon. And then the temperatures just started plummeting where we're in the 20s before the sunset. That that's, that's cause for consideration and, uh, and seriousness. And concern. So, what the city of Chattanooga did, after learning from past mistakes, was did exactly what they were supposed to do. Now, of course, this turns into jokes, and people from other areas of the country, oh, back where I come from, bro, nobody cares where you came from. (laughs) Your your stories back home in some Arctic winter wonderland ain't got a damn thing to do with what's going on, on down here in the Tennessee Valley in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So, save it, if you would, please. So they close a lot of schools, if not all of them. Many businesses close. Again, all these are very good ideas because they didn't know when it was going to hit. Of course, a sheet of ice hit us right in the middle of the day several uh, years ago and crippled the city. Everybody was pissed off then, and then now everybody's making jokes and acting like you know Alzheimer patients don't remember how pissed off they were back then. Seriously, you got to get your brain screwed on right. And, you're, and figure out what your narrative is so you make sense and you don't look like a jackass. And that's what's happening again all over social media. This, oh my God, can you believe they can you believe they closed the schools? What kind of bleep is this about? Yeah, I can believe it, numb nuts. Of course I can. You don't remember the, the sheet of ice that crippled the entire Southeast? 
and caused wrecks and 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 just terribly concerned and scared and terrified parents because they got kids that are stuck in school. Some of them don't have power. They can't get to them for hours. People in Atlanta are stuck on the interstate. All these things because nobody took any precautions. You don't remember that? Of course you do. Think, McFly. Think. But so anyway, that was just kind of a side note. So this, they don't know when the snow is going to get here. It doesn't get here until the afternoon. Initially, it said in the morning, wasn't until the afternoon. So did the kids need to be off school in the morning? Did businesses need to be closed? No. Technically, they didn't, but it was a good precautionary measure. Well, what happens? Here comes the snow that they actually did predict was going to be here. That's another thing. My Like my boy, I want to take up for my boy, David Glenn, and several other of the uh, meteorologists in this town. It's like if they don't nail it to the exact second, then all the jokes about how the meteorologists never get it right come around. And if you haven't noticed, especially based on how incredible technology is from just getting the forecast on your phone to getting a detailed full meteorologist barometric pressured blah da 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 you know jargon meteorology speak on still on the tv channels if you want or on your hand on your on your phones or on your tablets or on your computer you can get down to the second on this stuff they're not wrong very often some reason there's still that joke that they are but they virtually almost never are they just miss by a few hours well, I mean, they're not God, guys. They don't know when things are going to happen to the exact minute. They're just predicting based on science, and they do a pretty damn good job of it. So, all right, all that to say, those dumb jokes, which I don't even hardly care about. But then there's back to the jokes that are nonstop by some of the most respectable people you know. It's very likely somebody in your family. It's not likely. It's almost guaranteed. It's countless people in your social media feeds, on your text message threads, wherever it might be, this fake, phony, boring, tired, lame joke making to the, from, from the concept of the idea that when we get bad weather, especially snow, that a bunch of people go out and buy a bunch of bread and milk, and that's absurd. That's what the joke is. That's what people do every year. And I, I, I am adamant about this and can back it up and I'm going to do it again. It's not true. It's not true. It's never been true. Not even kind of. Not even a little bit. Once again, bread and milk are a couple of the most perishable items in a grocery store. They are out within a couple of weeks. Tops. That's if you're lucky and you get them at their freshest dates. There is not backstock on bread and milk. Now, in the in the setting of telling this, this story or rant or I'm going to use the word need in the redefined way that Americans use the word need. We don't need any of these things. It's want for sure, but I'm just going to say need for the sake of it, for the understanding of the conversation for the average American family walking around. Unless you went to the grocery store yesterday then you are almost likely in need of something from the grocery store. And if you haven't been in two or three days or so, then you're definitely in need, especially, again, a family, an average family of, what, four, five, six, something like that. You're in need of something. Now, if there's bad weather in the future, and we all know, and sometimes we, you, know, you don't take it seriously until it gets close, and we're all procrastinators, and that just kind of happens. Every one of us does it. We're all guilty. And it's getting close to the time of this weather coming in. Why wouldn't you go to the store and get it? Why wouldn't you? Why would you not 
Go to the store and get what you need when the weather's about to be bad and you should be staying off the roads. And by all uh, accounts, for anybody who knows anything about anything would suggest you stay off the roads. Why the hell would you not go to the store? And when you go to the store, what are you going for? You don't go in and get two or three items, not from a family's perspective. Maybe I do. Maybe I just go in and get some lime and tonic. But the average family doesn't do that. They go in, they grocery shop. And what do you get when you grocery shop? You get bread and milk along with everything else you get. And what's the most perishable items on the shelf? It's bread and milk. What are there not backstock for? Because it would go bad before they could ever use it. Bread and bleeping mil- damn milk. This is not a raid on two quote-unquote essential items. It's just not. Nobody goes in and buys just one of the two. It's never happened before. Never. I will. I would be. I'd put whatever I had down if I were to bet. If I were a betting man, it's never happened once before that somebody walked into a store and bought two items: bread and milk. Never happened in the history of Chattanooga, Tennessee, or the Southeast. It's a bad, lame, stupid argument. Lots of people go to the grocery store because they don't want to be trapped in the house. And no, they're not trapped. They can get out. But why would you drive around when there's ice all over the damn road when you can go to the store beforehand? It's so stupid. It's so stupid and it's so uncreative and so boring and so lame. And I'm slaying lame and exposing frauds. And these are these are fraudulent jokes. And if and if they're if they're even a step outside of fraudulent, then nothing but some of the lamest stuff you've ever heard. Get some new material. Please get some new material. Then you can also add in the, oh, man, nobody knows how to drive in this. No, nobody knows how to drive, period. When you put them in something that's a little bit dangerous and dicey, they're already so bad at this because they're so bad at their life to begin with because there are no such thing as bad drivers, just bad people. Now you have a mess on the roads. So you know what? Close the damn schools. Close work. Get people home, get them out of the way of the people like me and a lot of us who don't have any choice but to go to work. I've never had a job that lets us out early for snow warnings. I've been snowed in to work more than eh, probably almost a half dozen times. I've slept at radio stations to be able to be at work the next day. I've slept at beer warehouses to wake up to be at work the next day. We don't get days off. So all the rest of these fools out here, let's let them go home so they can get to the grocery store and get what they need so they can get the hell out of our way. How about that? And how about we stop making jokes about it and take all this stuff seriously? Because when something only happens once or twice or three times a year, tops, and it's usually bundled together over the course of, I don't know, six weeks at the most, we don't know how to handle this because we don't handle it normally. And that's not a fault of Southerners or Chattanoogans or Southeastern folk. We're not dumb. We're not. It's just something we don't deal with. So that's about all I got about that. <laughs> I, I hate to be repetitive to anybody who's heard that before, but it's just even people who I, I think are really cool and really interesting and really fun to talk to. Oh, everybody's out there buying bread and milk. No, they're not. Jesus Christ. No, they're not. Would you just please stop it? Please. You're smarter than this. Oh, you're smarter than this. And when the weather's going to be bad, get the hell off the roads and go home. Close school, close work, close any kind of uh, pu- public function, close everything, and just wait. It's it'll be it'll be done in a couple of days. How's that disrupting your life so bad to not to, to be to be safe and not and not gamble around with like screwing up like we did a few years ago? Don't forget about that two or three day stretch that crippled not just Chattanooga the entire southeast. And everybody's South Park mad. Rabble, rabble, rabble. How could this happen? 
oh, I don't know, you guys make jokes about how stupid it is every time they try to take a precaution. On the way out, this is uh, a uh, Frank Zappa song. It actually really kind of sucks. I've never quite understood why people like Frank Zappa other than he's an incredible guitar player. But this song is called Don't Eat the Yellow Snow. Just figured it fit in with the, uh, the, the tail end of this overall disastrous podcast today. Coming up, um, let's see. I'm going to get to that. How is it possible that 13 human beings ranging in the ages of 2 to 29 years old can be held captive in a seemingly normal neighborhood in a seemingly normal single-level house in California, suburbia in California. How can that happen? And I'll tell you exactly how it happens, and it's actually pretty easy to understand. I'll get to that next. This is a Stone On Air podcast, the weekly dose for January 17th, 2018. My name is Brian Stone, the host at Stone On Air on all social media. Catch me every Monday through Friday on Alt 98.7 in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Station where the music matters, as we say, and like, share, and always love. Rate and review if you get a chance. Whatever else I've left out, I'll be right back. This is the Stone on Air podcast. The deadly yellow snow from right there where the huskies go. Whereupon I proceeded to take that mitten full of the deadly yellow snow crystals and rub it all into his beady little eyes with a vigorous circular motion hitherto unknown to the people in this area, but destined to take the place... More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. By many accounts, the big family who lived in this house was a loving one. Pictures show kids wearing matching outfits, smiling. But inside, police say the children were tortured by their parents. It's so, so sad, so horrible. I can't believe this, I can't believe this. Police say David and Louise Turpin held their 13 children captive, restraining some to beds with chains and padlocks, forcing them to live in filthy conditions. Investigators say a 17-year-old managed to escape and called police. It's heartbreaking. And to, to for that much kids in there and not even know about it, then it's like, I wish there was something this community could have done. According to court records, David Turpin worked as an engineer and operated a private school out of his house. Throughout the years, the couple traveled several times to Las Vegas to renew their vows. I did not uh, see any unusual activities between the two of them. They seemed to care. They're quiet kids, but yet they seem to enjoy the family as a unit. Now the children are recovering in a hospital as their parents wait to face a judge. War on drugs, Saul's called pain. Some of your latest album. There'll be a music midtown, music midtown, shaky knees. What am I talking about? Shaky knees. And Atlanta. And May. And uh, yeah, it's nuts, man. We live in a we live in a crazy not country. We live in a crazy world. And there are effed up people everywhere. And effed up things happening all around you, whether you know it or like it or not. It's happening. And there's nothing that any of us in this country can do about it. Maybe nothing anybody can do about it anywhere. Period. But certainly not in a 
country where we're supposedly not supposed to infringe on each other's rights. And privacy is actually somewhat um, valued and respected at times, depending on who you are, where you're from, your economic status, your race, your gender. And in this case, it seems like that might be the, the situation. There was nothing to go on here. I'll get to more of that here in a minute. Eerily similar, even though this really not similar in the case of the same kind of setting, but the same kind of shock from the uh, Ariel Castro kidnappings that came to light in 2013. If you remember Charles Ramsey, and he had a, he recently had a book. He was a guy that uh, that found the girls that were kidnapped and kept prisoner in this dude's house, and there was I was a little bit I was that was even more sadistically insanely gross um, but if you remember the dead giveaway dead giveaway I hate to make a joke about it but it was it was kind of funny uh, the, the kind of stuff the dude who found them was saying and in that area in Cleveland Ohio that was in a um, that was in a rather I'm gonna go out and say a pretty rough neighborhood it wasn't exactly high-end living and uh, you you basically lived your whole life minding your own business. This situation with these girls and boys, boys and girls, 13 total children, how how this gets to this point, there's going to be a lot more information to come out over the next couple of weeks. And the, um, you know, all the shows and all the talk shows will be all over it, I'm sure, as it's a, a story like this, it's very hard to, uh, to, to, to not want to know more about. It's just the curiosity will absolutely kill you. This is from, um, I don't know, I pulled off a few different things. I'll read some of this here, just as the main story out of Los Angeles. There was a strong, foul smell. The house was filthy. Three young people were chained to pieces of furniture. That was from the initial time the police walked in. Riverside County Sheriff's Captain Greg Fellow said it seemed that the mother was perplexed as to why we were at the residence. Sheriff's deputies had never received a call from the house or about suspected child abuse. On Tuesday, Fellows, a commander of the Sheriff's Parish Station in Southern California, said a girl escaped from the window in the house and called 911 from a deactivated cell phone. The parents, David Turpin and Luis Anna Turpin, were arrested on suspicion of torture and child endangerment, and each were held in lieu of $9 million bail. The ages were from AR2 to 29 years old, 13 in total. This is a, always an interesting comment. Fellows, again, the police chief, said that the parents showed, quote, no indication of mental illness at this time. Sure about that? <laughs> no indication of mental illness. It is too early to know how long the siblings have been malnourished or subject to abuse, she said, but they're quoting their conditions indicates it has been for a prolonged period of time. Uh, let's see. Kimberly Milligan, 50 years old, lives across the street from the family and their single-story house said a lot about the family struck her as strange. The children she saw were very pale and observation. Several other neighbors made as well. And she often wondered why, if there were so many children in the house, they never came out to play. Quote, I thought the kids were being homeschooled, she said. You know, it's something is off, but you don't want to think bad of people. Um, that's part of it. That's part of it. You don't want to think bad of people, so you don't... You don't judge. Who, who are you to judge me? 
So then you start thinking, and this is from another story, uh, similar information, a little bit different, but you start wondering, what about other people in the family? Grandparents, aunts, uncles? Well, this source found the grandparents there in West Virginia, told ABC News that they were surprised and shocked, quote-unquote, by the allegations. They said their son and daughter-in-law, whom they had not seen in several years, are religious. Oh, uh, yeah, it's shocking to hear that. And kept, their, uh, kept having children because... Here we go. God called on them. Gotta love that. Who didn't know there was going to be some whack job religion involved in this? Uh, The grandparents said that the children are homeschooled, were made to memorize long scriptures in the Bible. Some of the children, the grandparents told ABC News, have tried to memorize the entire book. One of the bankruptcy lawyers, as there was a bankruptcy filed in the last few years with this uh, with the Turpin family, said they seem like very nice people. They spoke often and fondly of their children. Uh, let's see. Andrea Valdez, a neighbor, told the press enterprise that she had teased in the past that the Terrapins, Turpins, I should say, reminded her of the Cullen family from the fictional series Twilight. I guess that's that one of those stupid movies or shows that has an odd family. I don't know. I haven't seen it. They only came out at night, she told the newspaper. They were very pale. And there's, you know, plenty, plenty more to read there. A lot of it's the same kind of stuff. In the end, still people not wanting to be jerks or look, you know, like being overly judgmental types. But that's where we have gotten to in our neighborhood culture, which, you know, leave it to Beaver, you know, in all those days, long before I was around and when my my dad were and mom were kids. Knowing the whole family, or excuse me, knowing the whole block and knowing the whole neighborhood and having big neighborhood functions is not a thing anymore, except for in certain socioeconomical settings. I've noticed that a lot of some of the higher end new built uh, neighborhoods that are in uh, some of the areas like East Nashville I spent time in or or the south side of uh, Chattanooga, Main Street, Jefferson Heights, a lot of those areas, I noticed they do tend to have somewhat of a neighborhood association of sorts and they have gatherings and they meet people and they know the people on their block but generally speaking that is not how suburban america works anymore i'm not exactly sure why except for i just think that we're not nearly as friendly people as we used to be Um, we are a very envious and jealous society and so in a lot of settings especially some that are even if not downtrodden still very modest there is still lots of jealousy and envy and not that you don't get that in the higher end and even in poverty stricken. I mean, ever these kinds of uh, emotional uh, settings know no bounds. And just because you have $100 million or $100, you can still have a relative kind of jealous or envious kind of uh, natured person anywhere you go. And I think that's part of it. I think we don't want to be friendly or friends with people who we think might be better than us or that they who we think they they might think that we're better than them. I'm not entirely sure about all that, but I'll just use my scenario as a uh, as a for instance. I live in East Ridge, Tennessee. I talk about it a lot. I'm one of the most transparent people in this city. I'll tell you whatever you want to know. I don't have much to hide. I do, you know, have a couple things to hide. <laughs> we all got something, but not much. And in my neighborhood, which is an old neighborhood built in the mid 50s, couple of these, a uh, couple of these, these home residencies are still uh, pretty, pretty nice and well kept. But it's a vast little variety of different people that live on this street, and it's actually changed drastically in the last ten years since I've been here. I've now been here to, uh, over ten years. It'll be on my eleventh year here, and my neighbor to my immediate left, I have only, I haven't even met, never met him. 
I've said hey to him plenty, talked to him just a little bit in passing, wave, you know, wave every time I drive by. But when I first moved in there, it was a husband and wife and their two or three kids. The two or three kids are now since into their 20s, and it's just the mom over there. Now they got a divorce at some point in the last 10 years. I don't ever see her. I don't know what she's doing. What Do I consider her weird? No, probably not. But I never see her. So if someone said, hey, yeah, she's been in there cooking meth every day for the last seven years, it would be difficult for me to say, oh, man, shocking. Can't believe it. Of course, I'd be like, well, well, all right. I didn't suspect it, but I'm not overly surprised. And then I got two or three neighbors that have come and gone around and then one or two a little further down. No idea. No idea what they're up to. No idea who lives there, how many of them, their ages, their job status, their economic status. I have no idea. My immediate neighbor to my other side used to be County Commissioner Tim Boyd. Now, he's an old school kind of guy. And even though he didn't like me, he respected me to a certain degree. And same thing with me. I didn't necessarily like him, but I respected him. And we did have a neighborly kind of um, of relationship that if if you know I needed to borrow something like you know I don't know why this came to my head it came to my mind I was hanging some pictures many years ago and I needed a level I went and borrowed a level from him so we had what would be almost a traditional neighbor relationship but just barely well he moved two or three years ago now and people that live over there now are uh, of Latino descent and that's fine Um, culturally I'm a mile away from where they are never talk to him don't know a thing and as far as they're concerned, I'm just some white guy that lives at a house that's a little bit big for one single white guy to do, live in who only has a handful of visitors every now and again. I mean, this used to be party central back when I was a when I was a, you know, a bachelor in in a, in a bachelor world. Still a bachelor, but I'm not in that world. Yeah, I have a few people over every now and again, but very rarely. For all they know, I'm uh, in here with people chained to the walls. I mean, they've never been in here. They don't know. And I, you know, I think that's what makes these kinds of things possible is that as long as you just cover your tracks and you're going to be able to get away with what you want in your private setting, because we still do and we always should value privacy and enforce the infringement of your rights. And until you are caught for doing something illegal or wrong, you shouldn't have your rights infringed to try to prove that that's what you're actually doing. That's the way I look at it. And I'll never change from that. I don't care what you're doing inside your home, especially if you're a homeowner. If you're a if you're a lease or a renter, it's a little different. The laws and your rights are, are different. But if you are a property owner, taxpayer, in your residency, until you've proven that I'm in here breaking the law, you can't come in here and just start looking around just because you feel like it. And I think that was the case with this. And how do people get to doing these kinds of awful things? Well, sometimes, like I mentioned before, doesn't shock me when, quote unquote, God tells them to do it. But I'll put a pin on that right now and walk away from this. I've got to uh, put the wraps on the show. Um, know your neighbor. Understand your neighbor. Be friendly with people around you. But most people don't do that. Most people don't do that. And this neighborhood out in California is, um, for the all intents of just looking at it, I'm not going to call it a high end by any stretch, but it is certainly, certainly a moderate moderately to closer to middle of the road neighborhood especially for in california this is not the slums this is not out in you know junk of cleveland ohio where where the where this kidnapping from a few years ago where i'm trying to see where that was exactly uh tremont or it was right it was in cleveland proper but 
you know, Cleveland's got some areas I'm sure that are all right, and some I'm sure that totally suck. But, but that's all I got, guys. I got to put the wraps on this. I hope it all comes across as all right. It was kind of a disaster putting this together. In the end, things seem to settle down. And as always, I ramble on a little bit, but you know that's just kind of what I do. At Stone on Air on all social media. Looking forward to being in D.C. in April for the first tour stop of the year and uh, trying to get some guests lined up throughout the spring and definitely some guests lined up for the show when I'm live in D.C. So, as always, appreciate you guys finding the show. We'll do it again next week. Do not be a fraud. The truth is easy to remember. Don't make bad jokes about snow and getting bread and milk because none of it's true. And if you want to talk about fraudulent, that is absolutely fake. Don't do it. You're cooler than that. You're better than that. You're smarter than that, most importantly. Hashtag white lies matter. Hashtag black lies matter. Hashtag all lies matter. We'll talk to you again next week. See you, bye. I'm just pulling around, but I just won't break.